It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat, NFL, Paulus Fanatic underscore pick. We are continuing our positional previews here with a big one for the Dolphins, uh, off-ball linebacker, and big in a couple of ways. One is off-ball linebacker's been kind of a vacant class over the last several years, aside from maybe 2019 when you had Devin White and Devin Bush going in the top 10. But this is a class that should see one or two players in the first round, Devin Lloyd from Utah and Nakobe Dean from Georgia. <clears throat> and really deep throughout not only day two, but through day three as well, Paul. Yeah, there's, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because I, I tend to skip over a handful of folks um, as we go along, but the interesting thing, too, is day one and two could have been even richer if Damone Clark wasn't dealing with the injury. Yeah, no doubt about that. And yeah, this also, too, we'll, we'll see if the Dolphins add somebody. I mean, as far as this is certainly one position that, hey, if the Dolphins are going to bundle together some resources, some draft picks, and trade up from 102 into the second or third round, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but – if that were to happen, there are some guys that are going to be available and some somebody that might be able to actually get on the field and challenge a Landon Roberts uh, for that for that you know third linebacker, inside linebacker spot. And there are a couple of guys that we do certainly have in mind. But looking at the top, Paul, who, if you had to pick, who do you think goes first, Devin Lloyd or N'Kobe Dean? I think Devin Lloyd does. I, um, I agree with you. I was hoping you were going to say Dean because we need some things to bet on here. Yeah, well, well, we'll get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> Devin Lloyd, I mean, a monster season here. Ran, uh, he ran a little bit slower than people thought. He ran a 4.66, but plays faster. He's a big dude, um, physical as, as all hell. And uh, this past season, 111 tackles, seven sacks, 22 tackles for loss, two interceptions, five passes defended. Yeah, I see him going somewhere in the middle of the first round. Nicobe Dean, I'm going to say drops to the second round because of his size. And right now he's projected to go in the first round, but I think he's going to end up going in the second round. Um, one comparison that uh, Lance Zerline had for Nicobe Dean was Jesse Tuggle from way back in the day. Okay. Undersized, but fast and mean. Um, you know, and even though he's 5'11, you look at his arm length. His arm length is almost 32. So believe it or not, his arm length, his arms are longer than Chad Muma, if you can believe that, even though he's five foot eleven. So he's he's built very odd. But yeah, I he's he's gonna go somewhere somewhere between mid first round and, and very early second round um for Nicobe Dean. And then those are really your top two guys. So the interesting thing for me with Nicobe Dean is yes, he is shorter than Devin Lloyd by four inches, but he's actually more compact and I think that works for his style of game. Um, and that that's where I think he does still go in the first round. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he slides out of the first round. I mean, I think he's going to not only be in the first round, but probably be in the top 25 picks. I see him going somewhere in that 17 to 25 range. Quite possible. Uh, also, 
who someone who has a chance to go in the first round. And there, there's actually talks that or some rumors out there that he may go above Nicobe Dean. Uh, unlikely, uh, but some rumors about and that's Quay Walker, his teammate from Georgia. 6'4", 242 pounds, really only did it for one year, but is a big, smooth athlete and somebody who can really get in those passing lanes with his, with his length. I, I liked uh, the comparison that Matt Miller had from ESPN, and that's Zach Cunningham from a couple of years ago with his size. Um, so, yeah, I, I see him going somewhere. He rock solid second rounder, if not, um, if not, probably not in the first round, but likely to go in the second, very likely to go in the second round. And then we've got your guy, Chad Muma from Wyoming. Yep, sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze. Um, no, Chad Muma is so much fun to watch. The guy's a tackling machine. He's basically watching his highlights is so reminiscent of, of Zach Thomas, even though they're completely different builds and styles. The I, I'm pretty sure he led the FBS in tackles last year. I could be wrong. I know he was close to the top, if not. Um, but he is just a fun guy to watch. He's able to jump into passing lanes in zone. Uh, he comes up and fills well. He sheds blocks well. It, it's, I think he's not talked about as much because he's out at Wyoming, not at one of these top three or four schools. Yeah, and Wyoming also produced uh, Logan Wilson from a couple of years ago, and who was an early third round pick who played in the Super Bowl and has become a really good player there for the Bengals. I'm not as high on Muma as you are. I still like him. Mm-hmm. I, for me, I've, after Lloyd, Dean, and Walker, I've got a huge drop off, and Muma would be competing to be the fourth guy for, for my. my uh, one issue I have got with him, he's got very thin legs, and even though. You know, when I watched him, when I turned on the tape with him, I didn't see the player that I thought I was going to see for good and bad reasons. I mean, um, one of them is I didn't think he was very physical. I didn't think his take on was very good. I saw him getting blocked in the hole pretty easily. And but the other part of it, too, is that at his he's six, three, two forty. He looks like he's bigger out there than that. Mm-hmm. Or I should say longer than that. And somebody that I, I think I'm going to come back and say, I really just overthought this guy because he can fly for his size and he is already big. And if you have somebody that has, that has the length and could cover so much ground out there, those are the tools you want to work with at the linebacker spot. Um, so he's one of really, there are six guys that it'd be a, a huge shock if they ended up falling to pick one Oh two. That's the Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, Muma, Leo Chanel, and <clears throat> Christian Harris from Alabama. Those six guys on the consensus board that I'm going to post here the day before the draft, after I get everything together, you're going to see those guys firmly in the top 50 consensus picks. So Leo Chanel is fascinating. He He's what I call a 1990s linebacker. He's mm-hmm. got great instincts and is fantastic in between the tackles against the run. I mean, He's built like a fridge, um, so his his play strength is outstanding. And then he goes to the combine and runs a four five three, has thirty four bench reps. People thought he was going to do even more than that. Um, in this past year, one hundred and fifteen tackles, eighteen and a half tackles for loss. So somebody that should go again firmly in that second round area. Um, I I don't love. I mean, he's really not very experienced in, in the passing game, so. Not only has he not shown the ability to you know, cover tight ends and, and slot receivers, 
but he's also had never really been asked to do it either. So he and Muma on my board would be pretty closely ranked. Okay. I mean, I could see that. Um, I, I want to go back to somebody you mentioned before in Quay Walker. He's the enigma of the linebacker class for this draft. He, you see people putting him anywhere from the end of round one to the end of round three out there. And he, he seems to be all over the board for so many folks. I, he, he's a guy that I like a lot. And I think should be a solid second round player. I'd be, I'd be a little shocked if he goes in round one, but not completely. Um, would you take, like, and I know it's probably not a decision the Dolphins have to make. Would you take Muma or Quay Walker? I would take Mumu. Okay, gotcha. Although I, I wouldn't be upset with Quay if that's yeah. I, I, I figured that was the case. Trying to get a baseline on where you actually have Muma going because I know he's one of your favorite players here in the draft. And uh, with that, another question I have is: Let's say Chad Muma falls to the top of the third round. Are you interested? Yes. in Yeah, you would package. Let's say the fourth rounder this their fourth rounder this year, and it would probably be a, a third or a fourth next year to move I up mean, to that. My my only thing there with that would be if Muma and Anderson were still on the board, I might play a game where I wait a little bit, um, especially if Quay Walker's still there, which I don't I I, I don't expect him to be. Um, I think there's enough teams that love him. He go he he will go the top around too. Um, but if two or three of those guys are still there. I might be willing to play a game where you wait till one of them comes off the board to try to move up and, sure. and make it a little cheaper to go up and get them. Cause Troy Anderson, there's a lot that I love with him. It's he's fast as hell. He's still raw. And, and you look at the tape he put up as a linebacker and it was phenomenal. But on top of that, I've gotten it stuck in my head now that if Miami were to run some wildcat next year, I would kind of want them, even if even if Anderson, if uh, Troy Anderson's starting at linebacker, to move over and and be that wildcat quarterback, which sounds insane to say about a linebacker pl- a player, but he's got great size. He run what was it? He ran a four four something four four one. Yep. Um, and you look back at his tape from before his senior year, where he decided like, or from from this last year, where he decided he wanted to play defense, and he was a phenomenal quarterback, more of a, a mobile running threat quarterback, but he could throw the ball. He was a phenomenal running back. Um, like it, it's this is a guy that played all over the offense, said, eh, I'm bored, let's play some defense now. That looks fun. And, and went over and we're talking about him in the top couple rounds as a linebacker now. And there's yep. so many little things I like with Anderson. <clears throat> I think he's a switchblade type player that a guy like Mike McDaniel, uh, a guy like Josh Boyer, are going to be able to get the absolute most out of. Yeah, I, so the thing with Troy Anderson, uh, I mean, as far as playing offense, I, I, I don't care. I mean, if, if that's possible, great, and anything is possible with Mike McDaniel. He mm-hmm. went from Offensive Player of the Year in his conference to, and then got bored and then said, I'm going to be Defensive Player of the Year in his conference. <laughs> so it's it, it, when, I, when I watched him on offense, it looked like um, a peewee football game where they're like, we don't have enough players. Can somebody's dad come out and play? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, he looked massive. And, and my big thing with Troy Anderson, and I've, I would, he'd be, he'd be really high on my list for pick 102. 
Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, probably won't even be there, uh, but he could. And I want to make sure that this is not just a, a cool story. Like this guy has to be a, st- I care if he's going to be a starting NFL linebacker at the next he level. Would. And yeah, that's, that's the big thing. And that's the big question. But yeah, I mean, ran a four, four, one at his size. I mean, it, but what impressed me the most is he went to the senior bowl and was one of the best linebackers there. And that's mm-hmm. the litmus test for these small school linebackers. So yeah, it, he, he absolutely, I would, I'd be interested with, uh, with the number one, uh, one Oh two pick he, right now. He looks when I saw him on defense, he looks a little bit awkward, take it on block still. <coughs> and, but he's, that's something that, that is going to come with more experience and he can play special teams and Hey, maybe even get a few snaps on offense while, while he figures it out. So he's interesting there. And I've really got five players that at picks one Oh two and one twenty five. I would certainly consider at those picks. Troy Anderson is one of them. Channing Tyndall from Georgia is another guy. Um, also, I mean, these guys, some of these guys tested out just crazy athletic. I mean, four, four, seven, 42 inch vertical leap for Channing Tyndall. And I loved what was said in um, the PFF's draft guy. He said he runs like the Terminator, picking up more speed with each step. And that is exactly who Channing Tyndall is. He's very, very raw in every aspect of the game. But if we're talking about coming in in a limited linebacker role, that same role that Landon Roberts plays, I mean, you've got a little bit more. You don't need a complete overall linebacker at that spot. You don't need somebody who could absolutely do everything. It'd be nice, but you don't need that. And that's where one of these third-round picks could come into play. So Channing Tindall and Troy Anderson, I've got rated really closely and very high on my list for pick 102. Yeah, I'd be with you on that. And and it's, you know, you can even throw Channing Tindall into that group of guys I'd be willing to move up a few spots for. Um, for me, one of the guys that intrigues me a little bit later on in the draft is actually, and, and if Miami doesn't go linebacker at 102 or wherever they move up to, or because I still, in my head, feel like Chris Greer is going to end up with a pick either at the top of the third or in round two. Um, the way he likes to move around on draft day and the, the expertise he's shown with being able to do so, uh, whether it maddens us or not at times, is... I do expect that to happen, but they may not go linebacker in those spots. They may try to add yet another explosive weapon to the offense. If they have to look a little bit later on, somebody like Chance Campbell out of Old Miss, who hasn't had as much time at the linebacker position, but can do a ton of fun things. Um, you know, he can he can cover, he can come up and fill the hole. It, it, it's he's one of those fun guys that I would look at there in, in the late, late rounds of the draft. I really struggle in the late rounds of the draft with this class. I I went through the tape. I I watched a lot of these guys. There's nobody that jumped out as somebody I loved. Um, You know, I, because when you look at the depth chart, you've got, um, you've got your own Baker, obviously you've got um, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle as the edge overhang outside linebacker. Landon Roberts, who it seems like they've been trying to replace here for like 10 years now as that third guy. And then they also brought back and thought highly of their backups. Duke Riley, Sam Egwavant, Brennan Scarlett, all re-signed, which 
it kind of frustrated me at the time because I thought, why don't you just get one better linebacker than Landon Roberts? But hey, I get it. And they do play a lot of special teams. So the question is, who is going to be able to crack that lineup and be really worth the pick in any round the Dolphins have? So that, that's a question. But going back to kind of 102, 125, where I would want the Dolphins to take a linebacker if they could, you know, after the top six guys, Devin Lloyd, Dean, Quay Walker, Muma, Leo Chanel, and Christian Harris, who are going to be probably picked in the top two rounds. I've got five guys, Tyndall, Troy Anderson are two of them. Then next would be Jojo Doman from Nebraska. And I didn't even let myself watch this guy until like a month ago mm-hmm. because he's going to be almost 26 at the end of his rookie year. So, but I take a look at him too. And I say, okay, with a team that is really planning for the next two or three years, because that's why they got Tyreek Hill. That's why they got Toronto Armstead to win here in the next two or three years. Jojo Doman then starts to make some sense. And he wasn't even a linebacker in Nebraska, really. He was a slot cornerback. He switched mm-hmm. from strong safety a couple of years ago to, to that slot cornerback slash linebacker role. And I loved what I saw on, on, on tape from him. I mean, he, what I noticed about him was, you know, when I started watching him, I thought this guy is, he's not very explosive or anything. And then, and then he just started cranking up the juice throughout the game. He knows when to be patient and he knows when to pin his ears back and go full throttle. And that's what I was impressed by. He's got great, he plays with great physicality as well for being 6'1, 226. So he's somebody that in this positionless type defense, I think you can move around and, and do a lot of fun things with. And he's great on the blitz too. So even at 6'1, 226, and almost 26 years old at the end of his first year, somebody I would consider as well at 102. Yeah, and it's I, I think you just hit the nail on the head with something you said too about um, Miami's defense and finding somebody that's great at something. And 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 I go back to a few years ago when I actually had an interaction with Omar Kelly on Twitter about this when he was talking about a defensive tackle class, and 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 it's relevant for this, where you know I, it was the year that we took the two. Uh, Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor uh, in, in the later rounds where Omar had basically put out there like, oh, unless you take a a, a defensive tackle in the top in, in round one, this is a very barren class. And we have to think of this in terms of Miami may not need that every down linebacker. They might need somebody that's a specialist at something in this draft and, because they've got the talent there to basically be able to uh, pull off like if you need a coverage linebacker somebody to come in on third downs and help out a little bit in coverage or you know or if you just need a run stuffer for the first two downs because you've got the linebackers that can stay on the field now after the fact as well so somebody like DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian State and, and I know I'm getting beyond 102 but it's it's with Miami's four picks, we think they're going to take a linebacker. And it, it's whether we would at 102 or not, we know Chris Greer tends to to go a different path. Um, yeah. Jackson, the- it's not too early for me. I've got – he was one of my five that I, I actually like him a lot more than other people do. He's He is projected to go kind of in that 
day three area, you know, yep. like fourth, fifth, sixth round, somewhere in that area. I like him a lot more. I think he's one of the he's he's one linebacker I've got rated higher above uh, the rest of the people. I think he's got good movement skills and he's a downhill physical type of linebacker. So, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be fine taking him at I mean, he's one hundred two. I'd be OK with, but, but I wouldn't take him at one hundred two probably. But he he is one that he's probably the best coverage linebacker I watched. Um, it, it's. And he is downhill and physical, but he's probably the best coverage one. Um, it's it's if you go back and you watch a lot of his tape, he's somebody that's always around the ball in coverage. And, and yeah, he'll make his tackles, but but he's physical and fast enough to be able to hang with guys and recover, which you don't see a lot of linebackers recover. I mean, he was a former safety, and and, and he's one of those guys that's fun to watch play play. The more you watch, and, and this is why I think the linebacker group is so uh, impressive this year is because a lot of these guys are converted safeties. They came to college or they played high school at safety. I mean, Devin Lloyd played safety in, mm-hmm. in high school. Um, and I, th- I think at his first year at, at Utah, he did. I could be mistaken on that. N'Kobe Dean, the same thing. Um, and yeah, just a lot of these guys have, I mean, uh, Jojo Doman really is still a safety or slot cornerback. So, and that matters because this is a passing league in the NFL now. And those box linebackers, you know, don't, they have a high bust rate. I mean, you look at like Raekwon McMillan a couple of years ago for the, for the Dolphins. And I thought he played pretty well at certain points, but if you can't cover, you know, you have no coverage skills, you've got to just be so great in those first two downs to justify those picks. So yeah, going back here to my, to my list, um, the five guys I would consider at 102 and 125, Tyndall, Troy Anderson, JoJo Doman, mentioned De- uh, DeMarco Jackson. And my fifth guy is Brian Asamoa from Oklahoma. I don't think he'll get there anyway. And I would have some questions about whether or not he and Jerome Baker can play in the same defense because he's very, very undersized. I mean, he is a – he's he, – just looking at his, his physical numbers, I mean, he's six foot 225. He looks smaller than that. I mean, he's his upper body is not very well refined, and I don't see him being able to put on – a lot more weight. And if he does, he might end up losing some of that speed. So not very good against the run, but he can fly. Um, I mean, and the other way to look at it with somebody like Osamo is if, okay, Jerome Baker has been pretty durable at his size at the linebacker spot and covers a lot of ground. So if they lose a Jerome Baker, you lose a lot of speed in that middle of that defense. You may have to start playing defense a little bit differently. Um, so that, that would make some sense for a speedy linebacker. But on a down-to-down basis, Baker and Asamoah on the same defense trying to take on the run, that, that could be a concern. It could be, but you know what? Josh Boyer made his bones playing with, or coaching undersized players and scheming a defense for undersized players. If they try to do what they did last year and come out in, in, in just a base defense that, that's not this cover zero, move guys around look, yeah, I would absolutely struggle with Asamoah in, in the same defense as Jerome Baker. But if they're moving people around, coming from different angles and, 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 and disguising coverage as well and doing what they did that made them successful over the last two years on defense, I think Asamoah and, and, and Baker could absolutely thrive in the same defense. It's That's what Josh Boyer does is uh-huh. he takes undersized players and schemes it in a way that 
similar to what we've talked about on offense, where you don't know where they're going or what they're doing. Everything's hidden, and, and you don't know who's dropping. You don't know who's coming. You don't know a lot of things with that. And that's where someone like Asamoah could actually make, make some sense. But again, it's, it's, you have to run that defense that you, that made you successful on that side of the ball the past two years. Absolutely. Uh, Another undersized one. And and this is somebody that uh, I've heard Lance Zerline's very high on, uh, even though he's only 5'11", 232 would be Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma state. It's he flies to the ball. He, He does struggle to take on blocks at times, um, as, as you would say, he's got short arms and, and that's where it gets a little interesting, but he just, if you watch his tape, he just continues to make plays. He's like, he's like in a Landon Roberts that doesn't guess in, in my opinion. And, and, and anybody that watched our show knows the fact that I, it's anytime a Landon Roberts makes a big play, I have to bring up the fact that he guesses. So he's either there or nowhere close. And, and Malcolm Rodriguez is somebody that it doesn't feel like he's guessing. He actually reads the deep, the offense and comes up and makes plays over and over and over again. And, and he's not terrible in coverage. He's, I mean, he's not DeMarco as far as coverage goes, but again, he, he, he's got the range and ability to get it done there as well. Yeah. And I, when I saw him, I, I thought this guy, everything about him just looks like Zach Thomas. He's, he's, Five foot eleven, two hundred thirty six pounds. Looks it looks on tape like like Fred Flintstone, and <laughs> yeah, it's his five eleven. He's five eleven, and he really would have to make up for it with instincts. But he's got a lot of them. And somebody comped him too. To I think it might have been Bleacher Report comped him to Landon Roberts. And another one is a poor man's Michael Kendricks. PFF did so that that makes I I like those comparisons. Somebody that. <sighs> Fourth round would probably still be too rich for me with him, but uh, I wouldn't hate it. He'd probably be at kind of a somewhere on my list for that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Malcolm Rodriguez is a guy that should go there on, on day three. You know, after I got past Tyndall, Anderson, Doman, Asamoah, and DeMarco Jackson, I, I struggled to find somebody I'd bang on the table for for a third or fourth round pick. I mean, uh, Darian Beavers is should go somewhere in that range. I, I'm not a huge fan of him. He misses a lot of tackles and he's supposed to be a run defending inside linebacker. And my comparison for him was Channing Crowder. You know, that uh, somebody who's really high cut, not doesn't bring a lot to pass defense. So and Crowder was a decent player for the Dolphins, but I could see him having that type of career. Brandon Smith from Penn State is somebody that never quite put it all together. I mean, he's a freakish athlete, six foot four, 240 something pounds, but I mean, he just isn't good at anything. It's, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. He's, he, he looks the part. He's well, a typical. I don't, I don't want somebody that's just not good at anything. Yeah. Let's so he's he, great size, you know, played at a you know, great Penn State program that produces a lot of linebackers. My con, the cons are he's bad at football. He is a bad player of football. That, that, that's the negative with him. So, uh, and, <laughs> no, and, I would and, not be, I would not be interested in Brandon Smith, even though he does bring the measurables. Um, Terrell but, Bernard from Baylor, like yeah. Asamoah, you know, built like a safety. He's actually, I, I think he looks smaller than 6'1", 224, flies around the field. And I, I again ask, is it going to hurt having 
I wouldn't consider him in the fourth round because I'd be like, what are you getting that you're not getting with Duke Riley? Because that's they're kind of built in that same way. Um, so, yeah, after I get past, when I get in the third or fourth round, I have a few guys that I like, like Tyndall, like, like Doman, Anderson, Osamo, and Jackson. But after that, nah. Well, it's, I mean, one that I really wanted to like, but just couldn't see him at the NFL level was, was Jack Sanborn. Um, but a guy that we've actually had mentioned in our chat since we started talking about the NFL draft, um, even as early as December, I think I remember seeing him get mentioned. And he really is a fun watch, even though since we're talking about undersized, Zacoby McLean out of Auburn. I, I know he ran a 4.69, but his instincts make him a much faster player, and he's got a lot of good short area quickness to get to the play once he diagnoses it. <sighs> yeah. He's only six foot and, four, and, and, you know, what, 220 pounds, if that. And I think that's a lie. But he's somebody that can just read the play and fill the gap over and over and over and over again. And there's a role for that in the NFL. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I struggle with some of the late round guys. Micah McFadden from Indiana is, is somebody I like more than, than I thought I would. I, and he has all the measurables as well. I mean, 6'1", 234, runs at the 4'6 range. Um, somebody that if I saw their sixth, seventh round, I could be interested in. Also, Devin Harper from Oklahoma State, if you get down to that seventh round area, didn't produce a lot at, at Oklahoma State, but I mean, ran in the high four fours, 40 and a half inch vertical. Somebody that if you're looking to come in and, you know, develop on your practice squad, I think he would make a lot of sense as well. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm running dry a little bit here at the, at, at, at the linebacker class in the late rounds. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of guys here for this. It, it's, you know, and again, we're not, we're not talking about anybody that, that's, that's really that defensive end or defensive end hybrid. It's, we're, we're talking about the off-ball linebackers. So there's a lot of guys that we slide past with this. But there's a ton of guys in that round two, through, two, two to four range that are a lot of fun to watch. And again, you know, on top of that, a dark horse as well, if you're talking about for the next few years, is uh, Damone Clark, somebody that they could draft, even if they're going to have to shelf him for the year, and, and have him be part of ne- really part of next year's draft class, class which is going to be huge. So, yeah, I, I think that could that could be a possibility. I mean, Damone Clark from LSU is really didn't play at a high level until this past year. I mean, he was struggled to even get a starting job for LSU for a long time until this past year, but had a great season for them and was starting to be looked at in the second or third round with these guys like, like Quay Walker and Chad Muma. And then he, he had the injury. He's going to have to have spinal fusion surgery, which is yeah, not, not good news on that front, but yeah, if he's there in the seventh round, in fact, I, I saw a, I, I think it was Dane Brugler, somebody who did a seven round mock actually mocked Damone Clark to the dolphins with one of their seventh round picks. So absolutely. I mean, if you're talking about somebody you have to shelve for a year or two and then he gets back into the action. Yeah. I, I, I 100% be on board with that. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me too. If, if, if he's sitting there in the late fourth, early fifth, if Greer were to trade some of that mid round, mid to late round capital next year to come back and grab him. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it, it, it's, it's a low risk, high reward 
move at that point to grab the moan and, and, and put him on the shelf for the year and basically say like, all right, let's see what you got next year. See if you're able to come back from this. And if so, we invested, you know, a, a down the road, mid to late round pick to, to take this gamble. And it's something that could pay off tremendously for the dolphins. If he's able to make that recovery. Absolutely. And so that's going to do it for our linebacker segment here. And be sure to join us here tomorrow as well. Uh, Right, sometime around lunch, uh, we're aiming about 11.15 Central, uh, 12.15 Eastern here. For our final position, that's defensive back. And this may not look like a need. In my opinion, for where the Dolphins are drafting, I have it as probably their biggest need. And the reason for that is because they still need depth at cornerback. And I would love to see them add a, a safety, possibly at 102, so that Brandon Jones can play a little bit more down in the box. In, instead of in coverage. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that segment as well. And then on Tuesday night, about 9 p.m. Central, 10 Eastern, I'm going to stay up way past my bedtime for that one. Um, it's we're, we're doing a we're doing it all. We're doing a one round NFL mock. We're doing our top 25 board for pick 102. Uh, we're going to answer questions from the chat. It's probably going to be a show for an hour, hour and a half, some, somewhere around that area. So and then on draft day, we're going to be joining him. It's a little bit different this year because the Dolphins don't have many picks. We're going to join you about halfway through the first round and then for all of day two. And we're going to be certainly recapping all of the, all of the picks following the draft as well. And that's going to do it for our breakdown here. I'm Brian Cat, NFL Paul's fanatic underscore pick. Be sure to join us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the fan sided network. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.